Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbour as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbour? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So, too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he travelled, came to where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have had. Which of these three do you think was a neighbour to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. This is the gospel of the Lord. Big issue, big issue. Anyone want the big issue? Big issue. Is that a familiar sound? In Broad Street in Reading? Don't you wish they weren't there? Don't you wish that they didn't disturb your nice shopping? You know, you're, you're worshipping in the Temple of Materialism. That's the Oracle Shopping Centre. And you're buying that latest gadget that you want or that latest article of clothing. And you're walking back up Broad Street towards the car park where you've parked in Broad Street Mall with your shopping bags full. And there's this unshaven, smelly person steps out and says, Big issue! Big issue! And, and as you kind of go, No, 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 thanks. No, no, I'm all right. You know, and you, and you, and you carry on. Something in you just... We kind of know there's something wrong, don't we? That, that as we struggle back with 100, 200 pounds worth of, of shopping to make our lives more comfortable... Um, or, or, to, or to make us look nicer, or whatever it is, that the person who's selling the big issue, who's just asked us for £2.50, which is less than half the car parking fee, because they want to put a roof over their head for the, for the night. And, and we know it feels, it feels wrong, doesn't it? It's so difficult, this, because there are so many needs in this world. There are so many people who need our help, 
And we can't, we can't help everyone. We simply can't do it. So as Christians, what are we to do? How are we to, 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 to deal with that? And perhaps if we take a look at the story this morning of the Good Samaritan that we've just heard read, perhaps we'll begin to get a few answers to that question. It's on page 1041 in the Bibles, if you've got your Bible with you, um, one of the church Bibles, that is, um, or it's on your service sheet. You can look at it there. But Jesus is, is, is obviously with a crowd of people, and one of the religious people, one of the teachers of the law, comes up to him and says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? In other words, he's saying, what, what do I need to do to be right with God? You know, as, as we walk past that big issue cellar, perhaps we wonder, you know, what did God think of that? What, what, what would Jesus think of me walking past that person? And, and, and this teacher of the law is saying, is saying, what do I need to do to be right with God, to, to, to get his approval? And, and Jesus more or less says, well, haven't you read your Bible? He says, what's written in the law? That the law was, was the Old Testament, the, the Old Testament Jewish law. And the teacher of the law correctly quotes the two, of two of the most famous verses from Leviticus and Deuteronomy. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus gives him a big tick and says, yes, correct, well done. You've passed the theory test. But the teacher of the law is still concerned about the practical He's anxious about what it really means in real life. How does that play out? And so he wants to justify himself, it says in verse 29. And he says, but, well, who is my neighbor then? Is it the big issue seller? Is it the person sitting next to us in church? Who who is my neighbor? And in reply, Jesus says, well, he tells a story, doesn't he? He tells a story about a man traveling down a road who gets robbed and beaten up and left half dead. And two people walk past him. And do nothing to help. And one person stops and helps. And at one level we could just say, that's it, sermon over. Be a good Samaritan. Stop and help. But it's not quite that simple, is it? Because there are subtleties and nuances about every situation. The two people who passed the man who's half dead were religious people. They were churchgoers, effectively. Why didn't they stop and help? Well, perhaps they didn't stop and help for the same reason that we don't stop, uh, some of you may, but we don't stop and give money to the big issue seller. Because people who need help require time, they require resources, they require compassion. And maybe that's in fairly short supply on a Saturday afternoon, shopping in the heat or, or whatever it is. You know, the, 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 the Samaritan, it, it, see what it costs him. He stops, and in verse, um, here we are, in verse 35, no, I beg your pardon, verse 34, he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. So, so it's cost him time already, it's cost him oil and wine, that's his resources, And then he puts it on his own donkey, so he's given the man his his mode of transport, so now the Samaritan has to walk. He takes him to an inn and obviously pays the innkeeper for the man's keep and then says, well, actually, if he needs any more help in the future, just tell me how much and I'll pay it. He he gives everything he could. 
effectively. So it can be very costly stopping to help someone. You know, a few months ago I was walking down Broad Street in just the kind of situation I was talking about with Kirsty. We'd been shopping. And the big issue seller, seller stood out and, and said, big issue. And I'm thinking, oh, it's only two minutes to the car park, you know. And Kirsty stops. And I think, oh, no, this is going to take some time. And she goes up to him and, and, and he says, you know, he says, big issue, £2.50. And she says, well, actually, I've already got that, that copy. She says, can I buy you a drink? I think, oh, no. It'll be Starbucks, a double mocha, whatever it is. It'll take 10 minutes or 15 minutes. And then as, as, then, as she's just about to walk away, he says, oh, can I have something to eat as well? Oh, wow, that's going to be that's going to be about ten pounds as well. And then we come back with the coffee and the, and, and, and the cake or whatever it was. And, and then it's do you know, if you could spare twelve quid, I could get into the hostel tonight instead of sleeping in the doorway. And now it's twenty pounds or more. It's costly to stop and help, isn't it? But who do we who do we walk past in our lives? Because. Do we, we might walk past even those quite close to us, people in our church fellowship. I know, I know I do sometimes. On a Sunday morning after the service, I can be very busy and, and, and engaged in my head. I'm, I'm, I'm talking to someone in the hall, I'm going through to the vestry to put some, something in the book there, and I'm coming through here to do something else. And I walk past people sometimes and, and don't even notice them. I did it last week to a lovely woman who was trying to talk to me and say something, and I just blanked her. I didn't mean to, but I just blanked her because I was all caught up in my own world. And I may have walked past you in the past, and if I have, I'm sorry. But, so who do we walk past? We may walk past strangers. The only trouble with walking past strangers is that strangers are somebody else's sons or daughters. It reminds me of a time when I was at university and I was hitchhiking from Reading to Manchester because I was at Manchester University. And I was dropped off at a service station on the M6 and I went in, had a cup of tea and I walked back out and I stood to, and I walked onto the slip road to go back down onto the motorway and I was horrified because there were eight or nine other hitchhikers there all standing in a row. And I thought, I won't even get there today. It may, may be tomorrow. And, uh, and so, following protocol, I walked past all the other eight or nine hitchhikers and I joined the end of the line. And I stood there. And five minutes later, a Rolls-Royce pulled out of the service station. And it started gliding down the slip road to get onto the motorway. And not one of those other hitchhikers lifted their thumb for a lift because Rolls-Royces don't stop for hitchhikers. And something in me made me sort of twitch or something, but I, I took two steps out and I put my thumb out like that and I put a big grin on my face and the Rolls Royce stopped. You should have seen the look on the faces of the other hitchhikers. It, it was amazing. And I shouldn't gloat too much about that. But anyway, I got in. He turned out to be the director of the BBC in Manchester and he had never ever picked up anyone before, any hitchhikers before, but he said the reason that he did was that he suddenly remembered when he saw the hitchhikers that his daughter was in Europe at that time, hitchhiking with friends around Europe, and she was relying on the goodwill of people to, pick her, to stop and pick her up. And so he stopped. He said also, he said, you had quite a good smile on your face. But, but, but every stranger is somebody else's son or somebody else's daughter. And if, it was, if the big, seller, big issue seller was our son or daughter, we would want someone to help, wouldn't we? But Jesus 
finishes the story, and then he says to the, um, the teacher of the law, which one of these people do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? And he says, well, obviously, the, the one who had mercy on him. Interesting that he didn't say the Samaritan, because the Jews and Samaritans were at loggerheads, a bit like the Jews and the Palestinians today. But he recognized that the one who stopped was the one who had been a neighbor to the man. And Jesus says, go and do likewise. It's so challenging, isn't it? But, but how do we get the motivation and the discernment to help? How, how, do, we, how do we get the motivation to help? And, and how do we know who to help? Because we, we know we can't help everybody. We can't, all of us, help everybody. Well, I think there's some clues in... In Paul's letter to the, to the church in, in Colossae. And, and very briefly, uh, to finish, I'm going to just pick a couple of verses out of that reading in Paul's letter to the Colossians. Because Paul commends the church um, in Colossae as, as a group of people who love one another. Look at verse 3 and 4. Paul says, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we've heard of your faith in Jesus Christ and of the love you have for all God's people. So there's two things there. Faith in Jesus Christ and the resultant love they have for one another. What's that about? Well, what it's about is that Jesus didn't walk past us, did he? When we were dead or half dead in our sins, all the rubbish in our lives, all of the things that we've thought and said and done that are wrong and hurtful, He didn't leave us wallowing in that mess. He sacrificed his life. He stopped. He sacrificed and he came and he sacrificed his life on the cross in order that we could be set free of all of that bad stuff. He was the, the Good Samaritan in that sense. And because of that, the people in the church who have faith in Christ Jesus can love one another because they know what great love has been shown for them and so they can love one another. But what about how deciding how we, who we help and and so on? Well, Paul describes this this church family as a spirit-filled church family. And in in the second half of verse 9, he's He tells them what he prays for them all the time. And this is what he prays for them. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. So the Holy Spirit, when we have faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to live in us and he gives us wisdom and understanding. Why? Verse 10. In order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him. So if we go right back to the question we were asking at the beginning... You know, what does God think about what I'm doing? How do I live, live a godly life? We live a godly life by being spirit-filled Christians who listen to the, to the Spirit, who listen to the nudging of the Holy Spirit as we go through our lives. And so, so when we go back to these practical issues, as we walk down Broad Street with our bags and you hear the, the person shouting, big issue, rather than hurrying past as a natural reaction, we need to be saying, Lord, is this a moment when I'm to, to help? And if we feel peace in our, in our, in our souls that, that, that that's the case, then, then we should step out and help. 
And if we see someone in our church family who's struggling and needs help, we need to say to ourselves, Lord, is that me? Am I the one to extend my hand to go and, go and help them? Or perhaps I'm simply called to lead them to someone else who can help them better than I can. But, but we're, to, we're to be spirit-filled people who listen to the Holy Spirit and ask God what he would like us to do in every situation. And, you know, I don't know about you, those letters that come through the post, I get so many letters saying Oxfam, um, Tear Fund, Red Cross, whatever it is, so many requests for help. Don't just tear them up. Hold the letter in your hand and say, Lord, is this, is this one I'm meant to help? And if you feel a peace that you are, then, that, then, then be obedient to the, to the moving of the Spirit. And so finally, the last thing I'd say is, where do we go from here? Well, think of someone who you have walked past in the last days, in the last weeks, in the last months. It may have been a little time ago that you know you walked past someone. might have been a friend or relation. And take that person into prayer. Pray for them. And ask God what he'd like you to do about it. Now maybe there's nothing you can do except pray. But maybe in the coming week he'd like, he'll prompt you to, to contact that person and offer the help that you might have asked when you walked past them last time. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you did not walk past us in our sinfulness, but that you sacrificed your whole life on the cross for each one of us. And we pray that knowing the immensity of your love, you would guide us by your spirit to share your love with one another. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.